Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Theatergoers, you should know that City National Bank is Broadway's bank. Since 1954, City National has been passionate about the performing arts and is proud to be the official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, the role of a lifetime. City National spotlights relationships. In fact, to them, financial success is not about who you know, but how well they know you. From business to personal banking, they're your single financial source. Find out how City National is the way up for Broadway at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Brian Cranston. Most audiences got to know him first on TV as Walter White in the pop culture sensation Breaking Bad, or before that, maybe they first saw him in the sitcom Malcolm in the Middle. But he's an award-winning stage actor as well. He followed up his run in Breaking Bad with a Tony-winning turn as Lyndon B. Johnson in All the Way in 2014, and last year he won an Olivier for his performance as the mad-as-hell newsman Howard Beale in the stage version of the 1976 film Network. After starring in director Ivo Van Hova's production at the National Theatre in London, he's brought Network to Broadway, where the show has earned him a Tony nomination for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role. He's here in the studio with me to tell us about why this 1970s story still resonates today, how he crafted his performance in it, and what keeps bringing him back to theatre and to Broadway. Hey, Brian. Thanks for being here. Nice. Good to be here. Yep. So you started performance as a network on Broadway uh, in back in November, and then before that you were in the show in London for five months. Are you aware of your performance having shifted at all over the time you've been doing it? Yes. It went from London to New York. Yeah. <laughs> when, so with it a different crossed people, an right? ocean, yeah. Gordon. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, trying to do a carbon copy of what I did in London. I wanted to start fresh. We finished in the end of March uh, 2018. Right? And uh, we picked up rehearsals 2018 in October. Right. So there was a good chunk of time where I was able to decompress from the experience in London and get back to neutral. And that's what I wanted to do. Get back to neutral with it and then rebuild it. 
if I find that it's going in the same direction, well, then fine. But if it goes right. into a different direction than what I did in London, that's fine too. Right. So I just didn't want to be too dictatorial on on how it was going to, you know, reimagine itself. Right. And is there a different direction that it ended up going? In some ways. Yeah. Uh, you, it, it's inevitable because of the 23 actors and, right. and personnel on stage, two of which are um, more technical with the handheld cameras. Right. Um, I was the only actor that came over from, right. from London. So uh, all new cast. Right. and Including and, Tatiana Miles. Tatiana Maslany and Tony Goldwyn. Right. Yeah. And um, so it's naturally going to be different because there are different actors playing different roles. So you want to be open to that and see what's, how it, that changes things, uh, which is really interesting and good. And the other thing that really struck me while developing the character here uh, during rehearsal that I didn't really feel its full impact in London for some reason was the value of the emotion of anger mm. and embracing that as opposed to pushing it away or, or ostracizing it. We, in, as a society, we have a tendency to not want to cope or deal with anger. We can deal with many other emotions, but if we see someone publicly angry, it's we, we push away. Yeah. We, we don't want to be anywhere near that. Um, and normally, a human being is best served if they're tolerant and embracing of differences and different ideology, different ways of life, different orientations, different, you know, whatever. Um, that's generally how a human being should be, to right. the ebb and flow of people coming in and out of your life. In this time in our society, in American society and late 2018 now we're in 2019 perhaps anger is the appropriate emotion and that it's not out of place and that it too should be embraced and understood and allowed to exist and we see that i see that every night in the belasco theater right that uh audiences do get angry we kind of light a fuse under them and it's is it kind of sympathetic anger with what uh howard is feeling or or what's happening around howard i guess i think it's yeah. i think it's more how it reflects on their own personal lives right and what's happening in the world today regardless of how you feel politically there is a almost ideological tribalism going on where my group is the right group and your group is the wrong group. And regardless of any logic you might talk about, I can't support your you because you're in the wrong group. Right. So we've, we've created this segregated kind of fiefdom, you know, where, where I, I cannot be a part or accept or embrace or encourage or support someone who has a different ideology than I do. And that's really tragic. And I think that's what's created the 
the Fox News of the world, the MSNBCs of the world, where they're encamped in their own ideology. And you watch usually what appeals to your sensibilities and nod your head. And then if you ever go over to the enemy camp, you shake your head at what they're saying. And what happens is that we don't have an exchange what what the result is what we're experiencing in our politics now and that is this separate and dissected kind of division right between them and it's not healthy and it's not healthy in 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 our society either and i think audiences are feeling that anxiety level and i think this network kind of stimulates that within them right right and it uh, even though it was you know it was based on a film uh written in 1976 in many ways it speaks sort of directly to that situation you were just talking about even though it didn't quite exist in the same way uh it's very precious years ago you know, yeah. um patty chayefsky wrote it like 43 years ago right. and the themes of network are still present yeah yeah. Uh, even the ones that are not political. And, and for example, the, the addiction to whatever is the current technology, and now it's the iPhone. Right. right. We are right. absolutely addicted to it. Um, it is an incredible tool. Right. Unlike anything we've ever seen, it's amazing what it can do. And we are absolutely addicted no. to it. <laughs> and yet... An addiction of any kind is not good. Generally, yeah. it'll come back to haunt you and, and and be detrimental to your life. And so in in the mid-70s, Patty Chayefsky was talking about the tube, meaning television, and, right. and how addicted we are to that. Well, our televisions now can be held in our hands. Right. And we're, we do we panic? If you ever left the house and you didn't have your phone with oh, you, it's yeah. like, oh, my God, oh, hey, my you God. you got to run back. Yeah. I have to go back. Yeah. I don't know what my schedule is. I, I can't contact anybody. I'm, I don't know what anybody's phone number is. I, I'm lost. Right. That is a pretty illuminating statement to make <laughs> about your own dependency. Right. Yeah. What do you get out of uh, play? What do you as an actor get out of playing uh, a role for as long as you are with Network or as you did with All the Way, which you were also in for uh, quite a while? What What do you enjoy about um, kind of theater runs that are kind of extended times with a character and with a play? Well, the joy really is when is in discovery when you've when you're trying to welcome that character, that complex character into your being. And in my case, hope, hoping and trusting that it will come. The more work I do, I just feel like almost through osmosis, that character will come in and then I will be able to think and react and respond according to what that character feels. But it takes work. It takes work and imagination and research and going back to the text every single time and further conversations, daydreaming, um, you're using your imagination. Um, as far as the, there's a difference between the joy of performing and just getting utterly 
exhausted. There is a cumulative effect of fatigue that happens on the Broadway schedule that no amount of sleep the night before is going to wash away. It's just a little dose every single time you perform. If you're in a a show like Network or All the Way where the character demands so much of you emotionally and intellectually and physically, it it just brings you to your knees. I sleep well and I have to eat well. (laughs) You know, it's part of it. But um, in order to get the opportunity, the good fortune to play a character like Howard Beadle in Network or Lyndon Johnson in All the Way, you on the other side have to say, okay, eight performances a week for, in that case, five months, I believe it was. Yeah. In this case, I have to do it for... Seven months, and I put it in that case. I, I have to do it. Right. I do want to do it, but there is some feeling like, well, it's a it it's a money making operation. This right. isn't for charity. Yeah. This the producers put up good money, and the this the and the, people are coming. And, yeah, yeah, people, and right. you have to pay for the theater, and yeah. it's a money making operation. It's a commercial venture. So there's that, right. and the. Finances and creativity have always been strange bedfellows, right. you know, and and somewhere in the middle you find a compromise. Uh, and my compromise was that now I'm doing seven performances a week, which is a godsend to me. Do, do you feel it? Do you notice that one? Uh, uh, yeah. No question. Yeah. I And it was a tough negotiation. Sure. And I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. dealing with business people. Yeah. And I learned from my last experience that eight shows a week for a steady five or six months is a grind that will bring you to your knees. You will be devastated and in in as much as energy. And now I'm four years older than I was then. But I also developed a sense of resentment. In a mild form, and mm-hmm. I, I say that with some hesitation because I'm very fortunate to be able to do what I do right. for a living. But I would meet other actors when I was doing All the Way, talk to them, read the reviews, read the stories of the other plays that are going on and get excited about it. And then I realized, oh, I can never see this right? because I'm locked into that schedule. Yeah. So this time I negotiated... Uh, eight performances a week from when we opened in November through the end of December right. into the first week of January right. when a lot of tourists are here yeah, and, right. yep. and they're seeing the shows. So, okay, that the, they made a lot of money. And right. now seven performances a week with Mondays and Tuesdays off. That, oh, great. That yeah. consecutive day off, that's the key. Right. It really is the key. You can really shut down, relax, Go get a massage. Go for a walk. You can even leave the city. Yeah, and we have. I've, you know, my wife and I have gone to some place and gone to a B and B and just right. right sleep and walk and read and eat some good food. And, right, you know, have a life. Has doing the show changed the way you relate to TV news now, and the way you think about it? Yes. When I was a kid, watching Walter Cronkite. Yeah. And Harry Reasoner and Howard K. Smith and all those, uh, David Brinkley and Huntley and all those guys. I never thought that they would be handpicking the stories that they're going to be telling. 
omitting some stories and including others. But of course, that's of course that's the way it is. It just didn't occur to me. I I just thought that whatever it was newsworthy, they were going to talk about. But in a half an hour format, you have a limited amount of time, and even if the producer who's in charge of that or the managing director was calling the shots on any given newscast was pure and and altruistic in his or her thinking, usually his back in the day. Um, There's subliminally, you might be eliminating a story or two because it doesn't appeal to your own ideology or your own sensibilities or, or or level of decency or whatever. And so you, we're going to do these eight stories and we're not going to do those four. Right. Some other newscasts might include one or two of the others and not include the ones on a different network, you know? So yeah, there, there, there has always been a, a packaging or a manipulation of the audience and presenting what they want to give you. And that's a wonderful thing that Patty wrote. One time Howard Beale appeals to his, to the viewers and says, please don't come to us for the truth because we just tell you what you want to hear. Right. Right. And that's, (laughs) you know what? We're giving you a little piece of sugar. We're going to, we're going to give you something that pleases you. This is what you want to hear. Right. And so we're going to give that to you. Who do you think of as the inspirations for this character? You mentioned Walter Cronkite and the newsman that you used to. Um, who did you did you have in mind any particular newsman in particular or anyone else who inspired Cronkite this? has always been the flag bearer yeah. for me. Um, I just the the he just felt like a a trustworthy, kind, earnest, genuine human being, and and I'm sure that. You know, uh, Kathy Cronkite, his daughter, would say, "Well, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, of course, every every child of right. would." Um, but and then there's other there's others. Yeah. yeah, it's Mike Howard Beale is more of an amalgamation of my experiences growing up, listening to a variety of them, right. and presenting what I thought was authentic. Yeah, how. Do you, did you think of your performance uh, in relation to Peter Finch's performance, which I'm sure you must have seen? And... I saw it um, in 75 when it came out, 76. Yeah. I was in college. Uh, it was thoroughly entertaining because it was so satirical. Uh, and I believe that's why he wrote it uh, that way. But every good satire has a foundation of truth to it to where you can as as a jumping off place um i remember of course peter finch and his uh, iconic uh portrayal of howard beale but i certainly didn't want to emulate him or or be derivative of his work so i thought of what i wanted the journey that i wanted my howard beale to go on uh, in this theatrical sense and, you know, anger and mad is at the f- forefront of it. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore right. is the battle cry. But to me, anger and getting to that place of mad exchange uh, is a result of something. So I wanted to get to what was the first emotion mm. that 
led him to being so angry? And was he insulted? Was he hurt emotionally? Was he abandoned? Was he jilted? Was, you know, what, what were the, the ca- root, root causes of that? And I, and I wanted the, I wanted to experience it, that. And in my work to, for me to experience it and to find out where I'm going to come in at for the audience, I thought, well, why not give them that experience too? Bring Howard Beale to his knees at the basement of his soul and then see if I can build him up to become the king of television at one point. Brian. I'll be back with more from Brian Cranston right after this. The official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, City National Bank helps Broadway perform at the highest levels. From business to personal banking, they are your single financial source. City National is a strategic financial provider who understands and supports the Broadway community. And they're part of the Royal Bank of Canada, which is another name you can trust. City National Bank is the way up for Broadway. Find out how they can help you on your way up at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. We're back with more from 2014 Tony winner and current Tony nominee, Brian Cranston. I think of you as a very physical actor. I was, um, I feel like you work a lot with your body and you think a lot uh, with your body um, on stage or and, and on screen too when you perform. Do you, as an actor, do you think of yourself as someone who works from the outside in or are you more in, an inside out kind of actor? It, you tend to do both. Um, certainly if you and I were sitting in tuxedos right mm-hmm. now, we might be sitting a little differently. It, it right. does change you. Yeah. Uh, or if we were in bathing suits, it would right. be, you know, it's a, it's different right. depending on how you, you feel and how, what you're wearing, right. uh, where you are at any given time. Uh, you can't be ignorant to that. Um, but I think it's, to me, I don't, uh, I have to go inside. I have to go inside and work my way out. Right. Um, <clears throat> but that said, if I see a hat that I go, that's interesting, I might put it on and see how it feels. Right. And that might be a part of it. Right. And something that you take on early on in rehearsal may be right for that moment in rehearsal. But as you progress with the character, you might find also oh, no, it is not appropriate, and discard it. Something internal, something external, either, yeah, e- either. either way. So it's it, the, the point for me is to not to be rigid, to be fluid uh, in, in the work so that impulses can be receptive. Um, Evo Van Ho giving direction, you're receptive right. to that, you, and you have to be willing to try it, not to judge see how it feels and try it see mm-hmm. how it feels and try it and see if if it if it feels like that's the best way to tell the story mm-hmm. again giving an example in the mad as hell speech yeah um in london evo said i think you're very cautious about things so i was coming in kind of on a normal speed and he said take your time slow it down slow it down slow it down and come in very trepidatiously and very cautiously before you get up on on the stage. And I tried it over and over and over again, three or four times. And it just 
wasn't feeling right. And each night I would go home and have dinner and read the script before I would go to bed and make mark my notes. This is all during the rehearsal process. Right. And uh, I woke up one morning and I, re- it, I had this epiphany because I allowed myself to be open to something coming in because mm-hmm. I wanted to harbor this problem, this issue of mine. And it came to me and I realized, oh, I know what to do with this. It indicated so strongly that I knew it was right. And that was Howard Beale was struck by enlightenment mm-hmm. on his m- mad walk outside in the rain. Right. He had he had an epiphany and he's desperately eager to go share it with his flock, the 65 million people who are watching on television. I have something to tell you. I want to share this with you. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he jumps on stage and he has to tell people to stop and he has to, uh, he has to get miked and they're trying to fix his hair and those little things that happen it's like waking up from a very vivid dream that you think oh this was incredible and you go to tell someone and all of a sudden it dissipates like steam right and it's you're you're confused because it was so strong when you first woke up right. and now Oh, wait a minute. How did... Well, that doesn't make sense. I, never mind. <laughs> right. And that's what happens to Howard. And huh. so he's, he, then it changed everything. And I brought it in with that. I said, I have an idea. And I just did this. I charged. And then it came to a halting stop. And and I, and I we finished. And, and Evo said, that's it. That's the way that scene should start. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Do you have to think about, um, because there are handheld cameras, uh, there are cameras all over the place, and there's we're seeing some performance, we're seeing some moments just on screen, um, depending on where you're sitting. And um, how do you, how did you think about kind of balancing your performance uh, for both stage and screen? Like, there's a camera right in front mm-hmm. of you, but there's also somebody sitting, you know, at the back of the balcony. How did you, did you have to, was there a balancing act involved in that? Well, I, I suppose there is, but it's subliminal it's, mm. it, or subconscious, I should say. Um, you know, through forty years of working as an actor, um, you you take on that muscle, for lack of a better term. Um, for example, the way we're talking right now, right. we're across from each other, maybe four feet, and we don't have to raise our voices because the microphone is picking up fine. Right. But if I needed to talk to the entire room, then, of course, your voice picks up and you have to be able to communicate. And I think that's what actors know innately is that that our job is to make sure we communicate and tell this story. Well, right now, we could stay at this level and completely stay in tune with each other. Um, On stage, both in All the Way and Network, uh, I was miked, as are all the actors. And I like being miked. It allows for when there are intimate scenes, um, either of despair or love or joy or calm, that you can stay intimate, that you don't have to worry about raising your voice to hit that back wall. Right. Um, because then that becomes... Uh, artificial and so it's nice to be able to 
modulate your performance to suit the intentional emotion of that moment. Did you find that you were in all the way for a while and then you, you know, went back to doing lots of screen work? Did you find or do you find that spending a lot of time in theater working on a play uh, affects how you think about um, your screen work and how you approach it? It doesn't. I don't approach the developmental stages of character any differently, whether I'm doing stage or film or TV. It's really the same. It really, I, I just, I, I feel I have to get to the emotional core of the character and I cannot stop working, reading, researching, imagining until I get there. Otherwise I, I think that I would be petrified on stage if I didn't have that assurance, if I didn't have that confidence that I knew what this character felt like and what was motivating them. <clears throat> so I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have what I call the big five, uh, just little elements that I, I look for. Um, and that is, you know, what is a, what is the character good at? What is the character not good at? What is this character's secret? What is this character's ambition? And what is this character's fear? And so I constantly see if I can answer those questions. If it's nonfiction, I do feel more of a responsibility that this man did something noteworthy and I'm going to portray him. And in the case of Dalton Trumbo right. or Lyndon Johnson or other characters that I've played, their relatives are still alive. Right. And I want them to, to feel that I did my work to pay homage to that man and respect for for what they did. And I tell them, I am not going to try to do an impersonation of your father or your friend or your client or whoever it was, but I just want to get their sensibility. Now, in the case of LBJ, he was so physical and his his speech patterns were, were so specific in the Texas drawl. Right. And he used his, his body very much so, so much so that it became uh, a part of the colloquial uh, right. of, of politics, the Johnson treatment he would give people. <laughs> and so, you know, I had to, really had to learn that, to see what that was, that, it, that level of friendly intimidation, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I approach it any differently. Um, but, you know, the, you have to pace yourself in both mediums you really do um but it is much harder to do a broadway schedule on a day after day after day basis because we're telling the full story beginning middle and end right. we're in the bits and pieces business in in movies and television so sometimes you you have virtually nothing to do and you can rest how do you think in general of theater fitting into your career overall? Is it something you want to do again after your, um, Oh yes. I'm, I'm totally enamored by it. I love the experience when people ask me and I get the question all the time, what do you enjoy more? Well, I enjoy doing theater more than performing in front of the camera. Usually 
Now, you can have a great visceral or emotional experience when the movie is screened. Absolutely. Hopefully, that's what happens. But most of the time when you're working on film, it's just fragmented. You're shooting the end, you're shooting the middle, you're sh and it's let's do it over. You're walking in the door, you're putting the briefcase down. It's, it's, right. it's a lot of that. So being able to be on stage and telling a story in its entirety to an audience is great for the actor to be able to live through it. And it's very cathartic in most cases if it's, if it's a character that demands that. Right. I seem to be attracted to yeah, Howard certainly characters. demands that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and what's on your plate after uh, you finish up a network? Rest. Great. <laughs> I'm going to go into hibernation because it is it is a, a workout. I wouldn't be surprised if I got sick. Right. You know, I got a cold or the flu or something. But, right. You know, I'm telling my body right now, you need to stay with me. Stay right. with me. Let's go. Yeah. Every every night, we've got to be there. I I don't, I never missed a performance yet. I haven't missed a performance yet, and yeah. I, I don't intend to. Yeah. And I was sick a couple times during All the Way, and so I just let LBJ have a cold that night right. and yeah. pulled out the handkerchief and was yeah. you know, blowing his nose more often. And that's just the way that was. Yeah. The show's currently scheduled to run through June 8th, which is right before the Tony Awards this year. And, of course, you've been through the theater award season rodeo with All the Way. <laughs> what, uh how how is the uh, Broadway version of award season different from something like the Emmys or the uh, more Hollywood version? Uh, I think it's become pretty much the same. Hmm. Um, come here, stand here, take a picture, do this, right. you know. Uh, and and you you know you know what for the actor, you know what the joy is in the those award season things, whether it's for film or stage is to be around your peers. Right. That's really our joy, right. and to compare notes and, and to really be able to tell another actor, your performance moved me, and I, and I loved it, and I'm glad I saw it. And, and, and I think it's important to be able to do that. I, I do want to um, encourage and, and build up and, and tell people how much something affected me. And now that I'm, Tuesdays is my night to go out and see theater. Right, right. Have so, you seen anything good lately? Oh, I've seen a lot of good stuff. And, you know, I, and now I want to see Lehman Trilogy that just came Yeah, out. I just saw that last night. Did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I got to see yeah. it. I got to yeah. see it. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah, I know Adam Godley who's in it. And, and he's like great. Go yeah. see that. And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's exciting. And we're going to see Burn This soon. I great. saw Mockingbird and... Yeah. and Waverly and the lifespan of a fact and American Son and right. it goes on and on. And you've on. caught the you've caught the Broadway season. You've you've seen all only of it. because yeah. of I Tuesday. have those Tuesdays <laughs> off. Right. I want this to be a regular thing. Producers are going to hate me. Theater owners are going to hate me. <laughs> right. But you know what? I this is the way it should be. Right. Actors need to have a life, and we. I am much happier now than I was doing all the way because I'm able to have that mm. second night to be able to want to go out. Right. With only one day off, I didn't go out. Right. I didn't want to go out. I didn't have the energy to go out. Right. And it's different now. Yeah. 
uh, for your next Broadway role, do you have an eye on a play or a part in particular? Or is there one that you've always wanted to do? There is a role that I've always wanted to do. I'm not going to mention what it is oh. right now, but it is another reach for me because it's not in my wheelhouse. Okay. And it's something that I am going to develop. All and right. I have a specific idea of how the entire play should be mounted. Does the, the play exists? Yes. Okay. It would be a revival. Okay. That's the only hint I'm going to All right, great. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I do have an idea of how I'd want this revival to be. And so, however, I get to that point and work collaboratively with, you know, with the other people, then uh, I, I think it could happen. And that's that would be three years from now, four years from now. I I, I need downtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I need some downtime. And then you then you look back fondly on it. You can't wait to get back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing you again in three or four years. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Thanks for coming in. Thank you. That was Brian Cranston of Broadway's Network, now playing at the Belasco Theater through June 8th. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe there or on your podcatcher of choice. And for all you podcast fans out there, I'll be in Nashville from May 31st through June 2nd for the first PodX conference, where all your favorite networks, podcasters, and podcasts are getting together for one big Podapalooza weekend. If you're in Nashville, then, come say hi. I'll be back next week with another new episode, but until then, see you at the theater. With an unrivaled passion for the performing arts, City National Bank is the way up for Broadway. With a 65-year commitment to the entertainment industry, they have unique insight that other banks do not. Center stage, backstage, offstage. City National works behind the scenes, helping others to elevate their performance. The official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, City National proudly backs Broadway and all of its supporting casts. Get to know them better at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.